But we want to go ahead and, and get right into the word this morning. I want to talk to you today for a few moments on the subject overcoming limitations. Overcoming limitations because many of us are often confronted in life by external forces, spirits, or even realities that can limit us in important areas of our lives, but they don't have to. And so if you can go ahead and turn to your Bibles to, to the book titled Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah is one of the prophets. If you go to Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, and then turn left, two turns. If you turn left, you'll come to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, Malachi for, for the Italians in the room. If you go one more book, you'll find Zechariah. And so Zechariah chapter 1, we're going to camp there for most of the morning. Um, if, uh, if you want to put a bookmark in Joshua chapter 1, you can do that, but you don't have to. We're, we're just going to reference that, and it'll be on the screen. And um, all of the verses that we're reading will be on the screen as well. So um, Ze Zechariah chapter 1, beginning with verse 17. Again proclaim, saying... This is what the Lord of hosts is saying. My cities shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. So God is saying through a prophet by the name of Zechariah, he's saying through this man, he's saying, I'm going to bless my people and prosper them. And through that blessing, they will spread out. And the names Zion and Jerusalem are synonymous. They mean the same thing. It's the same place. Zion and Jerusalem, whenever you read those words in the Scripture, they're the names of, a same, of the same place in Israel. Zion and Jerusalem are synonymous. Let's continue reading in verse 18. And then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? What are these horns? And so he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And verse 20 says, then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. If, if you're reading a different version of the Bible, like the King James, it actually uses the word carpenter instead of craftsman. And the closest interpretation to that Hebrew word is carpenter. Because it means one that builds and works with wood. And, I, and I, I personally like the word carpenter a little bit better than craftsman. So I'm, I'm going to stick with carpenter. So he said he saw four horns that scattered the people. But then the Lord showed him four carpenters. Let's read verse 21. And I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns. These four horns have come that would scatter, they scattered Judah so that, watch this, so that no one could lift up his head. So the four horns came to oppose Israel to the degree that they were walking around defeated and confounded and beat down with their heads low to the ground. But the carpenters are coming to terrify them, the four horns, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. Now, all of Scripture, all of Scripture have layers of meaning and interpretation. 
there are layers to the scriptures. In fact, Christian theologians, rabbis, and Jewish sages all agree that there are layers to the scripture. For example, there's the first layer, which is the face value layer, right? It's, it's understanding, it's reading the text literally in its context, understanding the context, the, the specific audience and the place and the people. And because there's layers, without canceling its initial and its primary meaning and interpretation, we can ask the question, what do these verses mean to me today? Because Zechariah lived thousands of years ago, and this was a prophetic word, a specific word for specific people, Israel, in a specific place, in the land of Israel, for a specific time. And God is saying to his people, when we ask the question, well, what does this mean to me today? God is saying to his people, I'm going to bless you. And this is just like God to want to bless his people. In fact, he says in Joshua 1, verse 5, that no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He goes on to say in Joshua 1, 8, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is Bible. This is Bible, and God's saying to us today that, hey, Victory Christian Center, I want to bless you. I want to cause you to increase and not to decrease. God is saying, I will bless you. And because all scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching and for training and because it is living and timeless and accurate and clear and compelling and current in the same way that God told Israel through the prophet Zechariah that I want to bless you and spread you out. He's saying to victory Christians, center today I want to bless you and I want to spread you out in the same way God told Joshua tell my people that no man shall be able to stand before you I will make your way prosperous and you will have success he's saying Juan tell my people victory Christian center that no one will be able to stand before them in their way of progress and I will make their way prosperous and they will have success you know why because God is for you and not against you. I find it amazing that every relationship God enters into, he just makes it better. Every relationship God initiates and enters into, he lifted people. Every relationship that he enters into, he builds people, he lifts people, he multiplies their life, he increases their life. Never do you see God entering into a relationship with someone and there was decrease. There's always increase when God enters into a relationship with someone. You know why? Because he loves people. And he's for you, not against you. Understand that, that what God dreams for you is so much bigger than what you dream for you. That what God has in mind for you is so much bigger, it's so much better, it's so much greater than what you can think or imagine. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Chippo. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Chippo. And I love that about God. 
that he stepped into the Rivera family and his plan is not for decrease, it's not for defeat, it's not for setbacks, it's not for curses, but God wants to bless us. He wants to increase the joy and increase the love and increase the faith and increase the hope because he's good and he's for you and not against you. It says in verse 17 that my city shall again spread out through prosperity. In other words, when God begins to bless you, there is a spreading out that occurs. There's something about when God blesses you. There's something about when his favor and his blessing comes on your life and on your family and on your marriage and on a church. His blessing cannot be contained. There's a spreading out that occurs. You'll go places you've never gone before when God blesses you. You'll connect with people that you've never connected with before when God's favor is on you. His favor and goodness spreads out into your spouse and your children and your family and your friends and your church and your school and your community. God doesn't bless you in a vacuum for self-consumption. His blessing cannot be contained. He spreads you out and you have a vision bigger than where you are now. Do you understand, Victory Christian Center, that he's not planned smallness for your life? He's not planned decrease for your life. He's not purposed insignificance for your future. His plans are bigger than you've ever imagined. His dreams for you are bigger. His vision for you is bigger because we serve a big God whose desire is to bless you and spread you out. He spreads you out. But notice that just as God was saying to his people that I'm going to bless you, he said, Zechariah, tell the people I'm going to bless them and spread them out. That just as he says that, the Bible says that the prophet had a vision of four horns or four forces that rose up to oppose. Horns, horns in the Bible are symbolic of powers or nations or spirits. Symbolic. Of spirits. And the Bible says in verse 21 of Zechariah 1 that, that these four horns, they came to scatter and they came to put the people of God in a position where no one could lift up his head. So they were walking around just hunched over and they couldn't lift their head up. I don't know if you remember a word that this little lady in the front row gave a few weeks ago about look up. Right? Look up. This is the complete opposite. It was, it, was, it was small. It was bent over, inward, isolated, introverted, defeated, beat down, just, just cowering and no vision and, 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 and nothing to look forward to, no dreams. And, and these horns came to just beat down and to isolate and to defeat and to limit. And then verse 20 says that the Lord showed him four carpenters. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus had a father named Joseph, an earthly father named Joseph, who was a carpenter. And Jesus used to work with his daddy, Joseph, and he got the reputation of being a pretty good carpenter. What I want you to see is that anytime God purposes in his heart to bless you, anytime there's going to be forward progress in your life, initiated 
by the favor of God, it is not uncommon for you to experience spiritual opposition. A spirit or horn to raise up against you. But I've got news for you today. And that is that for every spirit that rises up against you, in opposition against you, there is the spirit of a carpenter that will rise up for you. Now go ahead and take a praise break for just a moment. If you believe that the spirit of the carpenter is going to rise up for somebody in this place today. I believe that the spirit of the carpenter is going to invade victory this morning and your life. Four horns of opposition that want to keep your head down, defeated, discouraged, doubting, thinking small, intimidated. And yet there is the spirit that the Bible says there was a spirit of a carpenter that came that turned that thing around. And so we're going to look, we're going to name these four horns or four spirits and deal with them this morning. And then I want to share with you um, a word that I believe God has given me for this church at the end of the message as we wrap it up. So I want to look at the four horns, the four spirits, and I want to call them out. I want to name them so that we can deal with them. You with me? All right, so here's the first spirit. The first one is the spirit of lack. The spirit of lack. So whenever God says he's going to bless you, and I believe that we're in a season where God is going to spread us out, he's going to call, cause us to be blessed, his favor is on us, but whenever that happens, there's something that comes in opposition. And the first one is the spirit of lack. And the enemy would love to attach to your life at an early age the spirit of lack. The spirit of lack. It's a spirit that will stick its horn into you to make you believe that there's not enough. You don't have enough sustenance. You don't have enough resources or enough education or enough relationships or enough love. It's a lack of vision and lack of dreams. It's a spirit of lack and intimidation that will try to influence your future. It's a spirit of lack that will cause you to think like, like you're not enough. And you never have enough. And you don't have enough intellect and enough education and enough wherewithal. And, and there's just never enough. And at an early age, it will try to attach itself to you. But there's a spirit of a carpenter that is more than enough. And if you let him, Jesus will fill in the areas of lack in your life. I remember, I remember this spirit trying to attach itself to me at a very young age. In high school, um, I don't know how many of you played sports in high school, uh, but I ran track in high school, junior high and high school and in college. There's some in college as well. And so I was, I was in high school and... I was getting ready for my first track meet of the year, um, this specific year, and um, I, I, I attended and graduated from Woodrow Wilson High School on the south side of Youngstown. Any Redmond? All right. Ushers, please find the boo. So I ran track for Wilson. And the first track meet, it was the Quaker Invitational in Salem. And, um, and I'm getting ready for this big track meet. I was a middle distance runner. And 
the school, the school that I attended, they ran out of uniforms. I had a jersey, but I didn't have the red shorts that matched. And so um, I didn't run naked. What's wrong with you? So I told, told my dad, I said, Dad, I've got to go get some red shorts. And so, um, and so, you know, our upbringing, so we weren't going to Second Soul. We weren't, you know, we weren't going to a sporting goods store. My, my dad takes me to Family Dollar. And we go to Family Dollar, and there are no red shorts, but there are red swim trunks. And we got the shorts, and, and I, remember, I remember the emotions today, how that felt. I, I remember, first of all, the shame of just, I've got to wear red Family Dollar swim trunks to the first track meet of the year. But then, but then the guilt of feeling the shame, because I knew that my dad was doing the best that he could. And so at a very early age, going to this track meet with red family dollar swim trunks, I remember just feeling that sense of lack, that it's not enough. I don't have enough. And during this time, there was this big to-do about this, this other middle distance runner. I mean, he was in the newspaper, and, and I felt a little bit intimidated because he was one of the country boys. I don't know what they feed all the kids south of Western Reserve. I mean, they're beefy, they're stocky, they're like, Right? Because I'm a city kid, I'm like a buck ten, and they're making this big deal about this other middle distance runner, he made the newspaper, and they're talking about how he's going to do such a great, and so I'm going up, and I'm racing this kid in red family dollar swim trunks. I tore out the netting, put them on, got ready for race day, I'm standing there at the front, at, at the line for the mile, and it goes off. I never saw the kid. But the kid that they made a big deal about got very acquainted with the back of those red family dollar swim trunks. And everyone else in that race. Here's what's funny. I set the meet record back sometime in the 90s, and, and someone from the church just sent me uh, the website. My name is still there. No one's broken it yet for the mile, right? Here's my point. Here's my point. The enemy will use external realities of lack to influence internal realities of blessing, prosperity, and promise. A spirit of lack will have you stay focused on external realities that are factually true. And it wants you to own it. To identify with it. To make it your internal reality. So that you filter your life through the lens of lack. But when the spirit of the carpenter comes into your life, I learned that day that the spirit of lack does not have the last word on the trajectory of my life. And I learned to shake off a spirit of lack that comes on you because when you have the spirit of the carpenter, you can beat the best and you can set records even if your reality is red family dollar swim trunks. One of the things that I've learned is you've got to shake off that spirit of lack. 
your external realities, what's factually true, how you were brought up, that, you know, that it, it might be factually true, but you don't have to identify with what you grew up in. There's a spirit of a carpenter that wants to build something on the inside of you. Such faith, such dexterity, such strength, and such courage that says no matter what it looks like on the outside, I may not have all the trappings and all the wrappings and everything that looks good, but there's something on the inside of me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, take a praise break if you believe that the spirit of a carpenter is going to come against the spirit of lack in our community, in our children, in our young people, in our cities, and in our neighborhoods. Thank you, Lord. Second, second spirit is the spirit of limitation. The spirit of limitation says things exist, but not for me. There's a ceiling over my life. There's a barrier to my progress. I can go this far, but no more. And it's a spirit of limitation where you're wanting to rise higher you're wanting to go further, but it's like there's this horn that has you stuck, and it limits you, and it hinders you. Large elephants, when you see them in captivity, they're held in place by a very simple rope and a wooden stake that's been driven into the ground by a hammer. And at any moment, that large powerful, strong animal can go like this and either that rope would be snapped or, or that, that stake would just come flying off. At any moment, that powerful animal can do that. How did it get to the place that it was so limited by something so insignificant? It's because if Early in life, if that elephant was born into captivity, as soon as, it is a, as it, it's able to stand and to walk around, the handlers take a metal chain and wrap it around its ankle. And then they take that chain and they embed it into a cement block, and it becomes impossible for this baby elephant to break away. And over time the baby elephant becomes conditioned to captivity. To the degree that once it's mature, once it grows its powerful uh, tusks, and once it, it becomes powerful and strong and physically capable to break through, it succumbs to the conditioning of limitations. Its muscle memory tells it this is how far you can go and you cannot go any further. I wonder what would happen in this room this morning if we would allow the spirit of the carpenter to take the limits off of our lives. I wonder what would happen in this room if we would allow the spirit 
of the carpenter to break the chains of limitations off of our vision and off of our dreams and off of our lives and off of our families. What could we accomplish if we would take the limits off? How high would we be able to climb? How far could we go? What mountains would we be able to take together? What giants in our community would we be able to defeat? How much ground would we take if we would just take the limits off? And, and, and we, lead, we, lead people, we lead people stuck, that, that, are, that, that have been stuck for years, inwardly, and have been conditioned by those that should have, should have encouraged, and those that should have loved, and those that should have thrust you forward. You have been conditioned that this is as far as you go and no more. And there is a spirit of lack that hovers over this region and a spirit of limitation. But what would it look like if there was a church full of people that have embraced a spirit of a carpenter? Not a spirit that breaks down and defeats and limits and discourages, but a spirit that builds up and brings life and encourages and takes the limits off and shakes off the spirit of lack. What would that look like if we would in turn look at a community that's been beat down with lack and limitations and says you can do it Youngstown City Schools, you don't have to be the worst in the state of Ohio. There's a people that have been set free and built up by a spirit of a carpenter that have an assignment to go into their world and their community and make a difference for time and for eternity. And there will be a day where you believe what I just said. There will be a day. You know the hardest time to do anything is the first time? The hardest time to ride a bike is your first time to ride a bike. But once you do it over time, it just becomes natural. And the enemy knows that. So he'll keep you from doing things the first time because he knows that the hardest time to do anything is the first time you do it. The hardest time to go to church is the first time you go to church. And I'm sure some of your story, the first time you came to church, I mean, it's like all hell broke out in your family in that car ride, and, and it's hard. And, you, and then you get here, and you don't know what to expect. And, you know, it's, it's that, but that first time is hard. And then you get here, and you sit, and you're like, well, I, I kind of like it. I don't know about all the raising of the hands and the dancing and the clapping. It's a little bit different, but I, I kind of like it. You get in an atmosphere like this, but you took that first step and you're here. And you have a little preacher getting in your face because, you know, we walk in like this, defeated, and all of a sudden you hear a message about a carpenter whose name is Jesus, and, and it's like the preacher is getting in your face, but it's not the preacher. It's the spirit of a carpenter that's getting in your face to lift it up and say, look and see, there's more for your life. There's more for your future. There's more for your family than what you've experienced. And then you come back, and it becomes easier. The first time to praise God is the hardest time to praise God. You look around and say, well, I'm not, not the kind of church I grew up in. 
I don't know about the hand raising and the clapping and the jumping. And, and you get in an atmosphere like this and there's something in you that says, I, I think I kind of would like to raise my hand to see what it feels like. But, but it's like there's a chain on your wrist and it's stuck to the floor. And, and then you look around to see if anybody's looking at you. You know why? Because everybody dressed up here this morning and came to church just to stare at you. And the first time is the hardest. But just like that powerful elephant, that heaviness that you feel, where you feel like you can't, just like that powerful element, can I tell you, whatever's holding your hand down is not strong enough, is not big enough than your praise and your worship. All you got to do is give them a little tuck. My God, it's like somebody strapped a helium balloon to my hand. And you know what? You begin to realize, I'll lift up my hands. I don't care because God lifted up my life. He lifted up my family. He lifted up my marriage. He's lifting up my future. He's the lifter of my head. And I'll just, I'll just go ahead and lift up my hands anyway because the chains are off. The limits have been taken off. And I will praise and worship my God because the carpenter has come and he's torn off the chains. He's set me free. He's lifted up my head, and my help comes from him. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's give him a praise break for just a moment. And lift up your hands and worship. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the chains will fall off if you'll do it. Shackles will break off of your life if you do it. The first time is the hardest time. Hey! Victory Christian Center, the first time is the hardest. The first time is the hardest. I remember a Nazarene boy come to our church. He was Nazarene. He doesn't do that. And he became the loudest praiser and worshiper. Because the first time is always the hardest. You know, the first time to tithe is the hardest time. I remember the first time I tithed, my first job. Years ago, I worked at Little Caesars. That was my first job. I made pizzas. I got my first paycheck, $98. Here's what I wanted to know. Who in the world is SS? Because SS took like half of my paycheck. I'm like, Who's SS? And why did she take my money? I, I don't know why I thought SS was a she, but I, I just, so I bring my paycheck home, and here's the first question my daddy asked me because he's a preacher. He said, you're going to tithe, son? And it wasn't a question. He said, you know, if you don't tithe, God will take it out your hide. Are you going to tithe, son? And so I, I did. I had my, brought my $10 bill to church, right? Because 
because we, you know, we, we tithe on, on the whole thing, and um, anything less than that is just gross. So um, God sees it as gross. So And so, but the first time was the hardest time. You know, SS already took half of it, and now I've got I've to give 10%. And so coming to church that day and parting with 10% of everything that came in on that check, the first time was the hardest time. And now, now it's just, I mean, it, it, it would, we, we can't even think of not doing it. We can't even think of it because he's been so good. We have been set free to be generous. I mean, it's, it's just, but the first time is always the hardest time to do anything. But once you take that step, once you take the limits off and dare and risk, the spirit of a carpenter. Here, we're wrapping things up now. We're, two more spirits, and, and we'll, we'll go through this quickly. So if you're able to overcome lack and limitation, the third spirit that I've that I found in operation in my life often is one called resistance. Resistance. Bob, if you can help me with this one. Resistance. Paul said this. Paul the apostle wanted to go somewhere, and he said, Satan hindered me. He resisted me. And anything God calls you to, listen to me, there will be resistance. Anything God calls you to. That's why God told Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you. Because you'll shake off lack, you'll break away from limitations, you'll begin moving forward in life, and all of a sudden, to your surprise, there's, what was it? He said, he said that's Western, south of Western Reserve hitting me. Us Eastsiders got something for you, man. <laughs> Don't play. Don't play. We got you. <laughs> but look, you're moving forward. Resistance. It's like, wow. And, and may, it might give a little bit, right? You, you, you'll come to service like this, and, man, you're encouraged, and, and you'll move two steps forward, and, and you're doing great. And man, let me move a little bit. God. You know, you move, but there's resistance. There's resistance. And anytime God blesses you and favors your life and says, I'm going to bless you, know this, there will be opposition. There will be resistance. God never promised us the gravy train. He never promise, promised us easy peasy. Never promised us that it would just be, be always sunshiny days. What he did promise us, what he did promise us is that the spirit of the carpenter would come and terrify the horn or the spirit that's been terrifying and pushing you back. And then the fourth spirit is this, and Pastor Jerry, if you can come and illustrate this for me, if you can help me real quick. The third spirit is this, that while you're trying to move forward and you're getting resisted here, there, there's a spirit that I call devour that comes up behind the progress you already made and just starts eating up all of the progress. You ever been there? God has progressed you this far in life and you feel like, man, I'm just starting all over. 
Like, here we go again. I thought I overcame this thing. And, and you're getting resisted here, and yet you're getting devoured here. And yet the Bible says that he, Jesus, the spirit of the carpenter, what he'll do in your life is he will rebuke the devourer in your life. He'll rebuke the devourer. And can I tell you something? You stay in front of me, Mr. Resistance, but over time, there's a spirit on the inside of me that's the spirit of the carpenter. And can I tell you what he's building? He's building strength. He's building courage. He's building dexterity. He's building muscles up in me that there's going to come a moment where you're, you're just going to be so easy to handle. It's like, get out of my face. I've graduated you. I'm moving on. They could be seated. Can you give them a hand? Thank you. We're fin let's finish up verse 21. Verse 21. These are the horns that scattered Judah. These are the horns that scattered Victory Christian Center. These are the horns that scattered your children, scattered your finances, scattered your marriage, scattered your relationships, scattered your church. Scattered your community. Scattered your city. These are the horns. And I'm calling them out. Lack. Limitations. Resistance. And devour. But the carpenters are coming. To terrify them. What freaked you out? What set you back? What overwhelmed you? What broke you down? What limited you? What discouraged you? What defeated you? What stuck terror into your family and your rest at night? The carpenter is coming to terrify those that would terrify his people. To cast out the horns. And here's a prophetic word over you. Number one, if you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Number one, key people are coming into your life. Key people are coming into your life. This is, this is a prophetic word over you. Key people are coming into your life. You said, well, people were the problem. You know, I get it. I get it. Hurt people hurt people. But God uses people in our lives to help us on our journey with God. And Victory Christian Center, key people are coming into your life. The right people are coming into your life. Key people are coming into your life. Number two, and I hope you get more excited about these than you were for the first one. Number two, in this place, I will bless you. Yeah. 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 
in this place, I will bless you. In Genesis 26, Isaac was in a place called Gerar. And the Bible says that a famine hit that place. And Isaac's first reaction was, I've got to leave this place and go follow greener pastures. God said, Isaac, I want you to stay and sow in this land because in this place, I will bless you. I don't know the condition of your family, of your marriage, of your health, but in this place where you are, God is saying if you don't cut and run, if you don't throw in the towel and give up, if you would just have faith and begin to sow in that marriage and sow into those children and sow in that place that you are, in this place I will bless you, in this community I will bless you. Some of you are in Youngstown and you're in this area, Northeast Ohio, Western PA. You have no idea why you came back. What am I doing here? I left here years ago thinking I would never come back, and yet you're back. You know why? Because in this place, I will bless you. You know my, why, my, why my wife and I are in Youngstown? You know why? We could have been anywhere else. We could have been anywhere else. I like sunshiny days. I like beach. I, I like mountains. I like clear, clear crisp spare. I don't like humidity. I don't like, uh, give me, but give me just, right. we could, you know why we're here? Because it's in this city that God will bless us. Oh, I, I can get a tan somewhere in Florida. I can go somewhere where the barista at Starbucks will actually spell my name right. Right? I can go to Texas. I can go to California. There's anywhere else we can be, but why this place? Because there's a word from God in our spirit that says, Juan, in this place I will bless you. You know why we're here at Victory Christian Center? Because you play your cards right? Nope. Because it was a good idea? Nope. We're here because God told us that it's in this place that I will bless you. It's in this place. I got to finish. So in this place, I will bless you. Number three, God wanted me to tell you that I'm breaking the spirit of limitation, intimidation, and lack over your life. And number four, God told me to tell you this morning, I'm spreading you out. I'm spreading you out. I'm spreading you out. It's going to come in such doses and such quantity, my favor, my blessing on your life, that it's going to spread you out. It's going to spread you out. It's going to spread out into your family. It's going to spread out into your community. It's going to spread out into those around you. The people at work aren't going to figure out what the heck hit them. It's because God is spreading you out. And you're there not to earn a paycheck. You're there to bring the spirit of a carpenter into atmospheres and situations where people are walking around like this. They're broken. They're defeated. They're hurting. They're limited. There's lack on their life. But there you go with the spirit of the carpenter living big on the inside of you. And you're just walking around picking heads up. 
you know, squaring up shoulders and putting them back and breaking the spirits off of people that just keep them down and limited. Everybody on your feet. You're late with that. That would have been good like 10 minutes ago. Love you, man. I love you, Victory Christian Center. We're going to do this. We're shaking off lack. We're taking the limits off. We're pushing through resistance. God will take care of the devourer in our lives. Because he's going to do great things. Honey, would you come up? Here's what we're going to do. We're closing. I want the prayer team to come up and get ready. All of our leaders that help, help to pray. Just come up and get ready. For just a moment, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to say this. You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to pray this right now where you are with every head bowed and every eye closed. Say this. Say, Father God, what are you saying to me through this message? And if you give him a moment, he'll highlight something. In just a moment, I'm going to bless you. At the end of that blessing, we want to pray for you. If you're far from God, your very next step is at the end of this blessing, when I invite you to come forward, you're going to join all the other people that will be coming down for many different reasons. But if you're far from God, you know it then you're going to get out of your seat here in just a moment and you're going to come down and you're going to tell someone here at this altar, just, just say that, just say, I'm far from God. And they're going to lead you into a, in a very simple prayer and help you taking that next step in following Jesus today. You need the spirit of the carpenter in your life because your life's a wreck. And Christianity isn't, isn't for the little engine that could. It's for the train wreck that couldn't. And that might be you. And you might feel so out of place that everyone else here has everything together. No, we don't. We've just connected with a carpenter named Jesus who's put back the pieces of our lives. And so at the end of this blessing, you'll want to come up and receive prayer. But listen, if you need prayer for any reason, Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage, a relationship. Maybe it's someone else in your family. If you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. You don't have to be a member here. You don't, have, you don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, we want you at the end of this blessing to just step out of your chair where you are and just come down and join all the others that will be receiving prayer today. So keep your eyes open. Go ahead and look at me. 
At the end of this blessing, my wife and I, what we're going to do is we're going to leave here and go out to the Welcome Center. And so after you've received prayer, if we've never met you before, we'd love to meet you. If it's been a long time that we've had a chance to say hello, we'd love to say hi. But we'll be out at the uh, Welcome Center um, at the end of this, uh, this blessing. So keep your eyes open. I want to bless you. Victory Christian Center, I bless you. That your life would be surrounded and overwhelmed by the spirit of a carpenter. I bless you that key people will come into your life. That the right people at the right time, that God would make those connections. And I speak over you. Key people are coming into your life. I speak over you that in this place, you will be blessed. In this place, that God will cause you to own the space that you're in. And with great faith and courage, you will sow. You'll sow into that marriage. You'll sow into that, into that job. You'll sow into this church. You'll sow into this community. Because in this place, God says, I will bless you. I bless you that God would take off and break off limitations and intimidation and lack in your life. That it would be said of you and your homes and your family that there is no lack in any area of your life intimidation to be broken off of you that you would dream big that you would believe God for big that you would never insult God with small prayers and mundane dreams and little vision but that you would believe him for more and trust him for greater and I bless you today I bless you as God spreads you out and you take what he's doing here into the world that you live in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you. Listen, if you need prayer, please come right now. We want to pray for you this morning.